Hey everyone, welcome to the Threadcast here. Ryan Smith joining you. Hope that you are having a good day wherever you find yourself out in this world, that uh, your life is going perfect, right? Because it always is. Maybe not, but at least uh, you are challenging yourself to be somebody better today. So I'm, I'm excited for you for that. Um, so yeah, we're in the wrapping up kind of the specifics in our Threadcast, walking through the triangle. Um, and today we're still in the world. We're closing out with our, our last word um, that is in with world, and it is the concept of justice. And um, this this word justice is an interesting word. It has so much um, conversation that goes with this, so much different definitions that can go into it. So it's a wide, wide uh, topic. But uh, I want to kind of attack it in just a few areas, and we'll kind of be more specific about that as we get into this. But just the idea, as we talk about the concept of justice, remember it's it's our relationship into this world. When we enter into the world, we want to be people that are welcoming. We want to be people that um, that look at the environment and the culture around us, um, all those types of things. Um, but most importantly, as we look at how we interact with the people in the world, it's a concept of justice, all right? Um, and so... Um, Let's, let's just dive in, and, and this one's going to be one of those where I've got a lot of different thoughts on justice. Um, I'm going to try to make it coherent, but um, it may be bouncing around just a bit, so I apologize for that. But So here's kind of a strange fact. Um, the word justice, it appears nowhere, like if you're looking at the King James Version, which I know you all do, right? Um, in the King James Version of the New Testament, um, it doesn't appear, the word doesn't appear there, um, despite the fact that the word is used many times in the Old Testament of the New King James Version. Now, while other translations occasionally translate the word that is used there as justice, uh, the standard translation that they usually word is the concept of righteousness. Um, and so, uh, you'll see the word justice used a lot in the Old Testament, even in the NIV, and then the the concept of justice for others in the New Testament doesn't quite exist. Now, um, the thought behind it, I think, does, but um, just something to think about as we go through this. Um, so today, <clears throat> many demand justice from the hands of God. They want their enemies to pay for the wrong that they have done. They, they somehow deny what they really want, though, is, is vengeance, right? Not justice. They instead claim they want simple justice, but as, as if that cleans up their motive, right? That, you know, they want vengeance, but they say justice and as long as they were to use justice, then, then they don't have to worry about their motive behind what's really going on there. Um, so rather than technically taking their own revenge, they just pray for God to lower this proverbial boom and destroy their enemies, right? Um, and God can do this either through natural or supernatural means. It really doesn't matter um, as long as it's under the concept of justice. Um, they crave God's wrath to execute God's justice at least what they consider to be God's justice, right? Um, and that's that's a lot, when we think of justice, that's the kind of is how our head goes, right? The problem with justice is that it endlessly slides up and down a scale of deserve. Somebody claims somebody deserves something. My enemies deserve to be punished. They deserve justice's penalty. I deserve justice's reward. I deserve 
to be compensated because of the wrong done to me. I deserve this. They deserve that. And the troubling part is that deserve doesn't appear to be a legitimate word in God's New Testament kingdom of grace. In God's economy, all is freely given without regard to merit. The deserving dynamic that justice appears to require is nowhere to be seen in the New Testament. Now, this may be why the word justice is prevalent, prevalent in the Old Testament, but appears nowhere in the New Testament, especially in, in the King James Version, right? Um, <clears throat> so it's this concept that, that when we talk about justice, it is this idea of, 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 of you know, the equality, equity of, of, you know, that you get what you deserve, they get what they deserve kind of deal. But when Jesus introduces this new kingdom that he brings forth, that deservedness goes out the door. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But but the concept of justice, um, <clears throat> it's not just a, a hot topic with um, with theology. It's not just a hot topic with church people, right? Um, it's dealt with in the philosophical world, in the cultural world. Um, it's a hot button. You know, a lot of days we say, oh, it was, you know, it's it's just culturally relevant. You know, that social justice word is just a word that's, that's new and, and everybody's talking about it now. But really... Uh, the concept of justice has been debated for so long, right? Um, as a matter of fact, Socrates is known for writing a lot uh, about the concepts of justice and looking how people would talk about justice, and he disarmed so many of them. But um, he destructed, you know, a lot of people would give definitions for what justice was, and Socrates would deconstruct those definitions one by one to show how unsatisfactory they all were. Uh, these definitions simply cannot withstand the challenge of new times and the power of critical thinking. This idea of uh, deserving and getting, right? Um, Socrates refuted them all by presenting counterexamples. So, for instance, if we tacitly agree that justice is related to goodness, so to return a weapon that was borrowed from someone who, although once sane, has turned into a madman, does not seem to be just but involves a danger of harm to both sides, right? Um, it's, a, it's kind of an argument that Socrates threw out. Moreover, um, all the proposed definitions ultimately involve harming someone who acts unjustly. So, so you know, it's that whole deserve is like, if they've done something wrong, then they deserve to be harmed. But Socrates replied, it cannot be just to harm anyone because justice cannot produce injustice. Let me repeat that. He says that it cannot be just to harm anyone because justice cannot produce injustice. In World War II, Hitler was the first to bomb civilian cities on a limited basis. But then Churchill retaliated by bombing civilian cities on a widespread and continual basis. And eventually the U.S. dropped atomic bombs on two different cities thereby killing, maiming, deforming, irradiating hundreds of thousands of women and children. So was this justice? It seems that sooner or later, all proposed definitions of justice stand on the eye-for-an-eye concept, a concept that Jesus definitely trumped as obsolete and no longer viable under this new covenant that he brings forth. So, 
if the English word justice is absent from the entire New Testament um, translation, should we then question the role of justice in the New Covenant in the sense of what we're talking about? Is the Greek word translated righteousness ever to be considered synonymous in the New Testament with justice? Or did Jesus reveal justice as an essential attribute of his Father? So if his life tells us anything, it reveals that Jesus, as a victim of injustice, what he suffered he did not deserve, he was innocent by any reckoning of justice, and yet, at his most abused and victimized moment, he declares the following, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That is not justice by the way that we talk about it. That is mercy. That is grace. That is love. Right? Uh, um, and so... For today's podcast, for today's Threadcast, when we talk about the concept of justice, um, we're not talking about um, the vengeful act of getting what you think you deserve. But really, when we talk about justice in this concept of our triangle, we want to talk about the idea of giving a voice to those who do not have a voice. Fighting for those who can't fight for themselves. Not because those other people deserve something horrible done to them, but because of love. Not out of vengeance, not out of deservingness, but out of unconditional love. The love that was shown us and the love that we're called to let everyone who is a child bearer, image bearer of God, right? A child of God, which is everyone, that they feel like they are a part. And so when we talk about justice in this concept of the triangle, we're talking about the idea of simply um, giving voice to those who don't have voices or fighting for those who can't fight for themselves. Now, as we read um, in our gathering um, in the triangle, this you know the, all three come from Micah 6, 8. And it says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And so when we talk about justice here, I want you to hear this. When we talk about justice, we can't just talk about justice, right? Because in Micah 6, 8, it says that you are called to act justly, that you're to to be someone who doesn't have classes on justice or doesn't um, have pep rallies or, or, or um, just... Um, these talks about it around the coffee, but you are to be someone who actually does justice, who actually uh, gives a voice to those who don't have a voice, who actually fights for those who can't fight for yourself, for fight for themselves, right? And so <clears throat> the obvious next step then in this conversation is to say, okay, well then how, how do you act justly? What do you do? Um, what should you do? Um, and we can brainstorm about that, right? I think I think we, we, we've talked about that in our gathering and I think that each one of you, the, the, the main importance that we talked about is that what, it doesn't have to be, you have to join and come join this big organization, but did you actually start doing something? But um, before you jump to what you should do, okay, 
I want to read a quote to you from Shane Claiborne. He's a he's a famous uh, Christian um, who is big into acting justly for those, to speaking up for those who don't have a voice. Um, he has some passionate. Um, right now, he's passionate about uh, the death penalty, about eliminating the death penalty, um, and, and a lot of stuff like that. But um, he spent time with Mother Mother Teresa. Um, he just he's just got some great thoughts. But here's here's when when talking about the idea of justice, um, here's a quote that he had, he says he says I'm convinced that in the church. One of our biggest problems is not a compassion problem as much as a proximity problem. He explains, it's a relationship problem. It's not that wealthy or middle class folks don't care about poor folks. They just don't know many. He goes on to say, and I think the racial divide in our church so often is because we live in a homogenous circles of people who live and think and have seen the world like us. So we've got to kind of keep expanding our relationships. But those relationships, I tell you, they mess you up. Right when you see people that are victims of what the scripture calls the principalities and powers. And so as you wrestle with what it means for you to act justly, um, I think action is important but I think what Shane puts forth here is the idea that action comes not because you're going to go join some organization or volunteer at some food food pantry or whatever, but that you actually expand your relationships, that you get to know those. And, and I love that at the end of his quote, he says, but I'm going to warn you, those relationships, they're going to mess you up. Right when you see the people that are victims of what, of what Scripture calls the principalities and powers, right? That, that when you see those people who don't have voices, that when you, not just like from afar, or just, you know, as they walk past you in a, in a service line, but then you actually hear their stories, hear their pains, know why they have those scars. It messes you up, right? I love that. It's so, so crazy. Um, and so as you think about what it means to act justly, Think about how you can expand your relationships. And then because of those relationships, begin to do things to give voices to those who don't have them. And as we talk about this concept of justice, I hope it's it's got your ball. Like I said, there's tons and tons of content out there. And so I didn't want to try to just repeat everything out there that you could find. But I just want to give you some things to think through as you begin, dive into this concept of justice. Um, remember, as we talk about justice... We also need to remember that justice is a major deterrent to those who struggle with faith. That so many people who have had a faith and walked away from it, a lot of them will talk about the idea in some fashion or form, they'll make this statement that they, how could a loving God allow such evil, right? How could there be such injustice in the world? How could, be there so, how could there be so many poor people? How could there be so many hungry children, starving children, people who have cancer? How can, how can there what seems to be such injustice in the world, right? And I simply want to prompt you that you need to have the courage and the humility to not steer away from that conversation, but to jump into that conversation. So what do you say? What do you say in a conversation like that? 
and I'm not going to give you an answer. Um, I think that's an answer you have got to become comfortable with, that you yourself need to wrestle with. What is your response to that? Why? What do you? How do you feel about God allowing such crazy things in this world? What is your answer? Um, but and I think sometimes there is some I don't knows that go into that. But at the very least, I need you to hear that you have to be willing to enter into that conversation with people because so many people have shied away from it that it just they're turned off by it. the unwillingness to have a participation in that conversation. And so. If you're not there yet, um, what do you need to do to get there? What do you need to? What questions do you need to wrestle with before you can have those with others, right? Um, but at the same time, you're never going to have all the answers. So don't allow your um, inability to have all the answers to enter into a conversation. You still need to have the humility and the compassion because people are hurting and need to be able to voice things, right? Sometimes they don't want the answers. Sometimes they just want to be able to voice the pain that they have inside you. One last thought as we close this concept about this this discussion about uh, justice. Um, as we, we talk about that you, we are defining justice by the idea of giving a voice to those who don't have a voice or fighting for those who can't fight for themselves. The other thing I want you to remember is how you fight is important. That you don't have the green light to fight the way the world fights, right? That gets us into the conversation about bombs and wars and those types of things, right? You know, how um, how this idea of um, this cycle of who has the biggest army is the one who's in power, right? And there's the ones that can take vengeance or give justice to the world, right? That when they do it, it is justice. When others do it, it is uh, evil, right? Um we have to remember that we are Jesus followers. And that means that we're only allowed to fight the way Jesus fought. And it brings up a concept. If you haven't heard it before, I want to encourage you. I'm not going to dive deep into it today, but I want you to at least think about the idea. It's a concept called redemptive violence. This idea that says, <clears throat> you know, for you might have you might be familiar with the concept of just war, right? That that we Americans will say it's not okay to be in war. But if these three things, these four or five things um, are met, then we can go to war. Then it is just. Then we can redemptively have violence. That that when when somebody comes and kills my wife, then it gives me an okay to go and take on the whole world. Or somebody comes and kills my dog, right? Then I can go and mass murder all these different people because I am redemptively um, seeking vengeance or seeking justice, right? Um, this idea that it's that that this cycle of who has the biggest guns, who has the who's the strongest, who can be staying longest, that whatever I do is okay because of what was done before me. Violence for violence' sake, and this is hard because these every good movie out there has redemptive violence in it, right? The you know the hero, his his family has been shot, his. His dog's been killed, right? Um, so they've taken over the world. They've done something, you, whatever it might be. That they, there's always this 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 ugly thing that happens to the hero, and then the hero goes on this 
rampage and and we cheer him on right we cheer on if if he had done it just at another different time in his life with with not that triggering thing then we would think oh he's actually sadistic but once he has the green light for redemptive violence or once he has been given the green light to have just war then we cheer him on and i'm there with you i love those movies those are the movies i have to remember what i'm watching but I have to remind myself, that is not how Jesus fought. We've talked about this before. Jesus had a third way, right? There's always the A and B, the way the world sees it. I mean, redemptive violence is that, is that choice. But Jesus always put out that third way. that he, he didn't back down. He wasn't the whipping boy. But at the same time, when he turned the other cheek, it, it, was, it was a rage against the machine. It was his way of fighting. When he walked in came into Jerusalem on a donkey, you know, that was very peaceful. But at the same time, there was a great parade going across town. And so it was it was still in your face. I'm not going to back down. I am going to rage. I am going to fight for those who can't fight for themselves. I want to give a voice to those who can't vote, but I'm going to do it in a way that distinguishes my kingdom from the rest of the world. And so, may we be people who have the courage to fight. May we be people who have the courage to give a voice to those who don't have a voice, but may we also have the courage and the humility to fight in a way that honors God, that honors the one who goes before us. Hope you have a great day. Grace and peace.